And we are back with another episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea, Todd Bowley's Chelsea, and talk shit about everyone else. Boys, it's the end of the season pod. I always look forward to this, and uh, this year I look forward to it more than most because I want to put this year behind us, and I think uh, you will probably agree, right, Sam? Yeah, definitely. This was a, a season... With a lot of turmoil, a lot of unnecessary BS, um, and a lot of change. And I'm really excited to see what the first season of this new ownership is going to look like next year. And I just need to add, um, for the listeners, the reason why it took us so long to record this episode is because me and Zach, and not Andreas because he bailed on us, were busy partying in Arizona for Zach's bachelor party. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Still recovering. Yeah, so that was a fun time. Um, Andreas, watched Champions League final there. Yeah, that was great. We kind of watched it. We were, let's just say we were um, we were busy with other other activities as well while, while the game was going on. But Andreas, uh, you really missed out on a good time. Well, I went where you guys were supposed to go, and I was in Austin. So I went where I was told this was happening, and then oh, you guys no. changed the plans on Zach, me. you didn't tell him? So <laughs> I went to the right place, and I watched the Champions League, and I still you know, had fun Memorial Day weekend and didn't need a two-week recovery time. But Were you really in, you were really in Austin? I'm not even joking. was in Austin for the okay. weekend. But it wasn't because <laughs> Zach didn't tell you about the change in plans, right? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> but that was the only way that I would have been able to to join you all. I too have a wedding and a bachelor party to pay for and a house to pay for. So sorry, uh, Zach, I wasn't gonna make it unless it was here in Texas. It's all good. You guys, I'm, I'm proudly single and enjoying my single life while you guys are. About you definitely to... enjoyed it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot during the bachelor party, and you guys. Uh, yeah, it's it's all, it's all downhill from here. Let me just say that. <laughs> um, but today, we are going to be doing our year of this or end of the season review pod. Um, we'll have a lot of different categories um, of you know different accolades uh, throughout the season, and we'll all make our picks. Um, and I think the best place to start off is. Player of the season. I'll start off with you, Zach. Who who do you have as player of the season for Chelsea this year? So there was a few names that you could have picked. I went with Antonio Rudiger. I know it's bittersweet that we're picking him here, but the guy damn near played every game for us this season. Our best performances, he was playing. Um, we struggled when he wasn't on the pitch. I just think his importance and just his presence on the pitch this season was unparalleled when you look around you know the rest of the team only guys like Mason Mount and Kovacic are probably the only two other players you could throw in Thiago Silva too that have a similar impact when they play we tend to play well so it sucks that he's leaving man it's it's so bittersweet but 
he had a really good season. And um, I'm glad that he was able to end it on a high. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Rudiger here. But, again, I, I do think that there's a couple other names you can throw out. Andreas, what about you? I went with the oh-so-reliable Thiago Silva. I think with all the injuries and all the madness, he was relied far more than we ever thought he would be. Um, last season, he played 23 of the Premier League matches. This season, he played 32 of 38. And we all know he's no spring chicken. I'm pretty sure he didn't really miss any significant game time due to injury. And any time that he was on the field, it, was, it felt a little bit more calm at the back. So to me, um, it was Thiago Silva. I thought that we got way more than we were bargaining for out of him this season. And we've referenced it already. There was injuries. There was COVID. There was runs of you know, bad form and all that. But Thiago was one of the mainstays that made the, our system continue to work, even when it didn't look like it was working to its best. So for me, it was Thiago Silva, his leadership and his ability to to play 32 Premier League matches at his age. I mean, 37 years old and only missed six league matches. I think that's crazy. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me the easy answer because I think the only right answer is Mason Mount. I mean, 21 goal contributions this season. Um, it, it has to be Mason Mount. I think what we struggled in the most is goal scoring this year. And he was not only our most clinical and lethal finisher. I think was he he was our leading scorer in the league, right? With eleven goals. So yeah. And not only that, he was our best creator as well. So I mean, yeah, you can look at the defensive side and say, you know, Thiago Silva or Rudiger, but in reality I think our our defense kind of lacked from where we were last year it we regressed a little bit but i think our offense our scoring progressed from last year and that was 100 percent due to mason mount um and his only play. due to mason mount he was the only one that could put up yeah. any sort of offensive numbers that yeah. showed up the, on the stat sheet yeah. the fact that reese james was number two is just telling gross yeah there you go it in what in in goals Goal contributions? Goal contributions. And goal contributions, yeah. In the league, at least, yeah. Yeah, at yeah. least in the league. So, let me see. Yeah. Mason Mount, 21. Reese James, 14. 14. And that's Reese James playing, you know, what? Did he play like 60% of the season? Less? Um, yeah. But, give or take. He missed three months. So, I'm going to give it to Mason Mount. I thought that was a no-brainer, but I appreciate you guys giving me that layup. Um, all right. Our next question, this one comes from a Twitter question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. It's a two-parter, okay? Your favorite and worst moment of the season for you guys. Um, Zach, I'll start off with you again. What's, should what's I just give, do you want me to give both or should I just give my favorite? Uh... Or one or the other. Up to you. You decide. I'll I'll just start with my favorite, and then we can yeah, kind we'll of bounce off of favorites. each other. Then yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll start on a high. I mean, I picked Chalabino's goal in, in his uh, first Premier League start. Yeah. I know it was the first game of the season, 
but <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It was a it was a hell of a moment, hell of a shot, and I think it really sort of highlighted what was to come from him as a player, you know, through the rest of the season. He was somebody that proved to be reliable and someone that got better as the season went on. I know he had his dips and troughs too. You know, he did he did have a couple performances that were a bit shaky. Um, you know, a couple late tackles and things like that, but it, it all comes with age and experience. And I'm, I, I fully trust him to sort of step in and be the quote unquote replacement for Rudiger um, as of right now, considering that we haven't signed a left back uh, or a, a center back yet. So, um, you know, I know Kunde's on the way, but the fact that we lost a left-sided defender, I think, you know, Chalabino will come in and and do a job on that side. You know, he could progress the ball forward and, and carry it really well. He's played in the midfield before, so he's comfortable doing that. We know his defensive attributes. He has that bit of feistiness and and sort of um, uh, dark arts that Rudiger had as well. So, you know, he, he has that bite about him. I, I really like him as a player. So I think that that really kind of was my high for the season at least because it's somebody coming from Cobham getting his dream goal and his dream debut and having a really good season to sort of cap it all off for him. Andreas. Uh, my favorite moment was winning the club world cup and Roman Abramovich completing football as Chelsea owner. I thought it was just awesome to finally get that trophy after what happened after the Champions League in Japan, I think it was. So Lukaku's fault as well. Roman, Let's not forget. What's that? Oh no no no! That was a Super Cup. Sorry. Wait, what? I was referring to Lukaku missing the penalty in the Super Cup after we won the Champions League. Oh yeah, that was a Super Cup. <laughs> yeah, my bad, my bad. But uh, yeah, this one it was Kai Havertz with the with the pen at the end to win it. Um. Yeah, it was just awesome. Rombrovich came here, put Chelsea back on the map, and, you know, to to finish it with a, the last trophy he was missing, I think that was a pretty special moment. Yeah, your guys' favorite moments are cool and all, but my favorite moment, for the listeners, you are all very aware that I am the driver, the longtime driver of the Barkley bus and in the FA Cup final, Thomas Tuchel, one of the boldest moves of the season, put in Ross Barkley late in in extra time, pretty much guaranteeing him a penalty shot. And if memory serves me correctly, and I think it does, the last time Ross Barkley shot a penalty was in Champions League. I forget who it was against. When he took the Valencia. ball, when it was it was Valencia. When he took the ball away from Jorginho, and he drilled, and he yeah, and he drilled the crossbar, and his nickname from then on was Cross Barkley. <laughs> and what did he do in this match? His confidence transfer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the that was a a brilliant business decision by Thomas Tuchel. To put him in and have him have him probably probably shot the best penalty shot out of out of any player this season, honestly. Um, and I mean, if, if I don't say you know if I say so myself, uh, and that was just a big moment for me, big moment for Ross Barkley. Unfortunately, we didn't win that game, 
but it really paid off because I, I honestly, in my head, I thought there was no way um, we were going to, he was going to score. Um, but I'll, I'll start off with the worst moments is similar situation. Carabao Cup penalties. I think Kepa sailing his pen in the Carabao Cup uh, final against Liverpool. Both of these were finals against Liverpool and penalties. Um, just the whole lead up to it, you know, uh, Tuchel making the decision to take out Mendy, put in Kepa. Um, him not being able to save a single pen but also us scoring every single pen. Liverpool's keeper, I don't even remember the kid's name, some random guy, eight like 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid. Some Irish kid. Absolutely drills his penalty. Then Kepa steps up, kicks it in the 15th row. That yeah. hurt. That hurt really badly. Not only did it deny us from a trophy, it was just the lead-up to it that really, really hurt. And the fact that the other keeper who I'd never heard of took such a great pen. He had like it was it was probably it was one of the nicest pens I've ever seen. And Keppa just got in his head and Ross Barkley esque. It was Ross Barkley esque. Uh, and Keppa just absolutely blew it. Um that was that was really rough. I remember I was at my parents' house, like we were like we had like some family event and everyone like the rest of my family was setting up for it. And I was just watching it on TV by myself while everyone was doing work. And I just sat there for like 10, 15 minutes. They're like, are you going to get up and help her? <laughs> I was like, I can't give me a moment. Can't I need move. to, I need to just sit here in silence for a little bit. That hurt. Andreas, yeah. what, what was that? Your... Was, that was mine too, oh. because going into it all, like, I'm a sucker for a comeback story and a, a romantic per se. And I was just thinking like, okay, we subbed just for this. And it's worth tried this. And the guy played very, very good while Mendy won the AFCON. So in my head, I was like, oh, this is the perfect story. You know, last time he was here at the Carabao Cup, he was, you know, on the negative side of things. under sorry. Here we go. This is just adding more and more stock to the to the Keppa transfers rumors. Like I, I was just like all all aboard the Keppa train. I had been in a group chat with some friends from college telling them like if it comes down to penalties, like I hope they put in Keppa. Like just had this all in my head, like, oh, this is would be the best thing for the guy, especially after like all the crap. I mean, some of it earned, some of it was undeserved but all the crap he kind of went through i was just like oh, this this would be the best way for him to like bow out of you know chelsea if, if he gets this uh penalty moment and then of course you hate to see it come down to the keepers and it did and yeah he just c couldn't quite finish the the redemption arc so that was a, a bit of a bummer for me for sure um I mean, I agree with you guys. That that fucking sucked. And I think that's that was probably our best opportunity to win a trophy. Granted, we did get to the pens again against Liverpool, but something about that Carabao Cup. Uh, and we did win two trophies. No, 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 no. We did, we did, we did. But uh, you know, it From does kind of stink because the Carabao the Carabao Cup is one we haven't gotten in a while. So 
Um, but I'm gonna go with Chili's injury. I'll go a little different than you guys. I think we could all agree that 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 fucking sucked. I think that was the, probably the worst moment of the first half of the season for us. You know, we lost Reese James right before that, and we were all saying, or, or I'm sorry, did we lose Chilwell first? They happened. It's in hindsight, it seems like they almost happened in the same week or yeah, two it weeks. Yeah, it was. It was really close. I don't remember yeah. which one came first. It was but... a matter of a few matches, but. Um, you know, losing him sucked because the second he went down and, and, you know, the medical team went over and checked on him. And the second you start seeing, seeing tears roll down the player's face, you know, it's kind of, they've kind of done whatever part of their body, you know, they seem to hurt in the slow-mo. So they showed the instant replay. It looked like his knee. And the second you see those tears, man, you just kind of know that something really bad happened. And, you know, when he was walking off the pitch that day, we kind of had the sense that that might have been the last time we saw him play for the remainder of the season. Granted, we did see him for a quick cameo um, in the last game, which was nice, but that moment sucked. And I also think it highlighted how important our wing backs are to our system as well, because, you know, losing him and Reese James just completely limited the way we could play. And Tuchel had to sort of chop and change things and figure out a way to put square pegs in round holes and weird ass players at right wing back and left wing back and, the whole season seemed to be a mess after that. So yeah, it completely Chilwell's changed injuries. our season. Like at that point, yeah. I think we were in first in the league, mm-hmm. and it was just a downfall from there. Um, when was it? The last time a player got injured and it completely fucked our season was when we lost Hazard. Remember? Sure. Yeah. He he missed the majority of a season. What was it like? Two or three years before he left. I can't remember exactly what year. So the yeah. season that we like got Mourinho fired. I'm, I want to say that could have been the season. But I remember when Hazard yeah. got hurt that year and, and we knew it was going to be more of a long-term thing. We all just kind of said, fuck, okay, well, that's probably a wash. And with Chilwell, it was much of the same. The second he went down, we're like, oh, shit. You know, we, we don't have a left wing back that was a like-for-like replacement for him stylistically. So it was kind of, all right, we're going to stick along Alonzo out there and sort of go gung-ho and just not defend on the left side for the rest of the whole season. And see how that works out, and uh, and we all saw the results. All right, next question or next award, goal of the season, Andreas. I'll start off with you on this one. What was your goal of the season? My goal of the season was Hakim Ziyech's goal to give us a one nil victory over Spurs. Hakim Ziyech at this point of the season had been our player of the month in a way going into January after a shitty, shitty December. And I was watching this match with my dad and he puts it on his left foot, hits it. And that ball somehow dips into the upper left, upper 90 top bins. Yoris didn't even move. He just stared at it. And I remember vividly my dad saying, that's not real. That's an Xbox goal. And it's just great. It was an amazing strike. It's what we thought Ziyech would be doing frequently and often for us to do it against Spurs and, you know, to get the three point. I think it was in the league to get three points again in their home. It just was, it was a great strike. I I was a big fan of it and, Obviously, the cocky ZS celebration made it all the better. So that was my goal of the season, his perfect, perfect curler. 
I'm throwing up my Z. You can't oh, see it. that's what you were doing. Yeah. That's um, a Z? That's a Z? Language? That's what he does, doesn't he? Doesn't he go like oh. that? I don't know if that's a Z, though. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what it is. Anyways. We'll call it throwing up the Z's. Throwing up the Z's. Um, I'm, I got to go with Kovacic's goal. I think the club gave it to him, too. But, I mean, you're backpedaling against Liverpool, and you take a volley out of the air. I mean... If you played in a in a stadium with you know proper lighting, you know how difficult it is to pick a ball out of the air like that with all the lighting in the background. Oftentimes, players do lose it. And not only that, it didn't take a bounce. It wasn't a half volley. He just he just picked it out of the air on the back pedal, and it was the fact that it was Kovacic made it even more unexpected because we don't really expect bangers from him. And here he comes, you know, pulling off arguably the banger of the season. So. Yeah, it proved to be a, a crucial one too because I think we we nicked the point off of that goal. So um, it kickstarted it. It was two to one at that point. Two one, two one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it did start our comeback. But yeah, um, you know, just the technique involved and the difficulty. I mean, you can you can go to your local park or field and try to do that a thousand times and you won't. So <laughs> Kovacic did. So for that, I give him goal of the season. All right, for me. I think I'm going to go a little unconventional. I think Harvey Vale's goal against Blackpool for the U18s, that was, I mean, the amount of hope that it brought into me. Because Harvey Vale, he made a couple appearances for us this season. Um, I forget whether it was, it was, must have been FA Cup early rounds. Carabao, um, yeah. Um, and he looked great. That goal, it was a finesse shot, top left corner. It honestly was very similar to Ziyech's goal. Um, and I just wanted to go a little bit uh, unorthodox of a pick. And that one just got me so hyped for the future. It got me hyped for Cobham. Shout um, out to the women's team, too. They had a couple contenders also. That shouldn't yeah. be understated. So, sure. I mean, we could have picked from from any of the Chelsea teams, really. There was pretty much nice goals everywhere. All right, next next award, surprise of the season. Zach, what surprised you the most about this season? I didn't know Christian Pulisic was a wing back until this season. <laughs> that was news to me. We said that was a possibility. Um, he did a couple. He we played a couple matches at uh, Dortmund at right wing back, didn't he? Wasn't his best I, position. I, I, I don't know. It was just it, it wasn't the fact that he played there once, but I'm pretty sure he played there twice. So I mean I don't need to look any further like than that. Twelve can... times, Zach. RLC played wing back twice. RLC, yeah. RLC was also a surprise playing out there, but that's just something I never, ever, ever, ever want to see again. And um yeah, I was surprised to see it. Not a good surprise. <laughs> God. That's so bad. Um, mine was actually Reese James's comeback. Uh, I did not expect, especially because of the way players come back from injury at Chelsea, I did not expect him to hit the ground running the way he did. I thought because he was out for three months, it would be a slow progression back to the Reese James we were seeing in the first half of the season. But the guy came back after missing three months and he ended up tying Trent Alexander-Arnold for goal contributions for the season. And we all know how much the media was gawking over Trent. I think 
they tied for 14 and uh it was with nine goal goals he scored himself uh and then the rest were the the five assists and i think it was like completely opposite for trent where it was something like four goals and 10 assists so for reese to be contributing with the assist but then also scoring nine goals from right wing back i thought you know doing that in the second half after missing so much of the season was insane like he came back and and like brought some more life to to kind of wobble our way through the finish line at the end of the season. And I, I was just not expecting that at all. Well, I personally had two surprises. One was a pleasant surprise. One was a not so pleasant surprise. So uh, the pleasant surprise, Trevor Chalaba, uh, at least at the beginning of the season, towards like the first half, because for some reason, the second half of the season, he barely got any playing time. But I had very, very low expectations for him. And he by far exceeded my expectations. I think he was played out of necessity in that first match. And kind of won himself a spot in that starting 11 for a while based on his play. And, you know, he he just had a lot of um, flexibility as far as either being played as a center back or as a CDM. Um, he had a couple appearances uh, at CDM as well, or he was moved there mid-match um, based on substitutions. And I thought he exceeded in both positions and didn't mind seeing him in either. Um, so that was really surprising. And I think that he's got... And I, 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 just, I still don't understand what happened towards the end of the season where he just fell out of favor with, with Tuchel. Um, but... I think next season we'll see him featured a lot more, to be honest. And my not-so-pleasant surprise of the season has to be Lukaku. It has to be. Because we had such high... we It's the exact opposite reason for of Trevor Chalaba. We had such high expectations for this guy. After the season he put up in Serie A for Inter last year, after the connection, after, you know... The false, the false narrative of him wanting to return, him having love for the club, you know, like him saying that it, it's always been like a dream of him to come back and play, you know, after the, the failed transfer when he went to United and him kind of saying that it was out of his control. And just a month into his time here, that stupid interview with Sky Sports Italia completely ruined everything it was his attitude his playing his actual performance on the pitch everything was a huge shock especially after how much money we spent on him um the fact that that was really from looking to last season the one position and the one uh facet that we thought we was our biggest hole a striker who could score and we thought we fixed that issue with Lukaku, and that it, it, he he did nothing. He he hurt us more than he helped us this this past season, to be honest. And I don't know what's going to happen with him this off season. I hear a lot of rumors of him being sold. I hear that you know we might not be able to get a deal done, so he might have to come back next year. Which uh, you know, if if he does, I'm not looking forward to that. But I also am hoping Sounds for the like best. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, if he comes back, like at the end of the day, he's still Lukaku. Like he's still a, he's still I like I have to believe he's a world class class player, and maybe he can make things right, and maybe Tuchel can you know figure out a system that works for him and the rest of our players. But it was just, it was not even close to what I expected it to be, man. We predicted like twenty thirty goal contributions from him. He finished with like eight goals in the league. Yeah. I mean, Garbage. In, you know, injuries, COVID aside, it was it was a disappointing season. Um, all right. Now we're going to move on to grading Tuchel. On a scale from 1 to 10, how well did Tuchel do this season considering the circumstances? Zach, I'll start off with you this time. Considering all the off-field circumstances, like you mentioned, COVID, and then obviously, I mean, there's a fucking war in Europe right now. You know, selling the club, all of, you know, the political, socio, you know, social issues that were behind everything. I give him a 10 just based on that. But when you look at the on-field product, that's where you sort of take a step back. A couple of his decisions were a little bit questionable. Um, so for that, I give him a 9. I think you can't handle the season any better than he did in terms of the media and the press and the things he said publicly. I think he weathered the storm beautifully. Um, and I still think that, you know, when he does interview and, and, and he speaks, he speaks from the heart and he speaks of a, 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 from a place where he, he wants to be genuine and he wants people to know exactly what he's thinking. And when he talks, you can tell that, that he's being genuine about his thoughts. So I always appreciated that about Tuchel. But, you know, at times some of the substitutions were a little bit confusing. Um, I don't think we could have – I don't think I guessed correctly for the second half of the season, you know, all three subs or all five subs – um, you know, he always threw a weird one in there. So um, for that, I, I do ding him a little bit. So I'm going to give him a nine. I think overall, you know, we still have the, arguably the best manager in Europe. I would argue that he still is. Um, and, you know, uh, hopefully this new ownership will sort of take heed and give him the keys and say, here, tell us the players you want. We'll go get them. And then uh, only time will tell to see if it works. So. Hopefully we can have a similar reign to one that Klopp has at Liverpool or Pep has at City where they can stay there for a longer period of time, build the team they want, and then see the fruits of their labor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll give him a nine. You know, it, it doesn't bother me too much, some of the moves he made. I mean, we still finished third. We won two trophies. We made two domestic cup finals. There's not really much else that you can can really ask of him, you know, considering everything else that was going on. Andreas, go ahead. I also gave him a high score, but I gave him an eight. I think he got us to a lot of successful positions. Obviously, we got third in the league. We were not, after the, the wingbacks went down, we were not going to catch up to Liverpool and City. So I'm not too fussed about getting third place. I do think that he was a little bit too pragmatic when it came to the cup finals. I think that this team has shown that they can score goals, but I think that he still has like a, a chain around our attack. And it showed in the Club World Cup where we struggled to score during that tournament. And then it showed again twice against Liverpool where we didn't score any goals on the pitch in two finals. I, I think I'm correct there. I don't think either team scored in in that either final. So... I think I can't give him a 10 
not because of the league position, but because again, I think we were too scared when it came down to trophy, like when the trophy was on the line. And I don't think that, you know, with, with the players that you have and, and what kind of you have to do to win, I think that that's just kind of not how I would want our manager to be approaching that situation. So that's the only reason why I can't give him a 10. We were too, if we would have won at least one of those finals by going in, going in and, and actually trying to win the match in 90 minutes, I might be maybe more leaning to just giving him an outright 10. But I just never felt like we were really putting ourselves in the front foot when it came to the two Liverpool finals. We, we had our chances. We did. But it just didn't feel like it was because of the tactics, but more so because of the players. And, and that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way to not give him a perfect score. I don't know. I think the tactics, a lot of the team selection throughout the season, like I had a lot of questions throughout the season um, on Tuchel's decision-making and uh, a lot of rigidness, a lot of, you know, um, not inability, but just uh, reluctance to, to change uh, things up when they weren't working. Um, I'm going to go with a seven. Um, I'm going to guess I'm a little bit, harsher of a critic than you guys if we're just basing it off of like the net results and you know the outcome like you said two cup two domestic cup finals two trophies finishing top three those are all great but i think um you know and then also all the circumstances around the the season as you guys explained the injuries the roman fiasco all that stuff you know he did well with what he had but there was just a lot, like like I just said, the Trevor Chalaba stuff. I didn't understand that. Um, a lot of a lot of his team selection, um, you know, his 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 the the formation changes that he made. Um, he was very rigid with that, and you know, we saw something good uh, as far as a, a you know a formation change. He would go back to what wasn't working before. That kind of frustrated me a little bit, but a 7 out of 10, I think that's still a fair rating, and it's a good rating. Um, but I think you guys are a little bit a little bit too nice with your ratings, to be honest. <laughs> 7, 8, 9, it's not, it's not too far off. I don't, um, think you could, I don't think it's fair to go lower than a 7. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's based on the, based on the net result. I'm being a little bit harsh, but I still... There was a no, lot. I get it. There was a lot of moments throughout the season where I felt frustrated, and so I can't. I mean, can't how, give him a nine. He can't give him an eight. How many times did we say, "Please play a back four, and we saw a back three again, or yeah, vice exactly. versa, or yeah. please exactly. play a player in the in his best position? Exactly. Yeah. And how many times did we see Christian Pulisic play right wing back? <laughs> <laughs> how, how many times did we see Pulisic on the right and Cho on the left? That was see like that those those kind of stuff just annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, that's why I'm giving him a seven. All right, here's our next question. This one is actually a Twitter question. This one's from Black Emoji. He said, "What is the biggest improvement on this season compared to last, Andreas? What do you think?" Um, I had a weird one because I know we just criticized selection and all that, but I felt like last season most of our success came from 13, 14 players max. It was always, you know, if we didn't see the the usual 11, it was like bad news kind of thing. So in a weird, twisted way, 
I think the improvement was that we had to rely upon more players this year. You know, the back line was a makeshift back line week in and week out. And, you know, the front three was always a mix. The midfield itself, at one point, the only guy healthy was Jorginho. And I think that it shows Tuchel had trust in his players in a weird, again, twisted way, even though we didn't agree with the selection. But it also shows that we needed, we had some depth to get into the top four. So for me, I think the improvement is just the fact that we are not just a one, like a, a one lineup team. Um, obviously, there's a, there's a bit of a, an advantage to have a consistent one, but at the same time, you know, we lost our two main wingbacks and we still were able to get third place, which to some may not sound correct, but is probably where this team currently should have gotten. So to me, that that was the big, the biggest improvement. Uh, just the fact that we were able to, to kind of hold results, even when our best 11 weren't available, whether it was COVID, whether it was injury, whether it was suspension, whatever you want to mention, whether it's just being frozen out because they lied about signing a contract three times in Christensen. But yeah, that was my improvement. Zach, what did you think? I, uh, I agree with you. I honestly thought about that too. It just felt like this year there was something a little bit different in the cooking in the sense that even though results weren't going our way at times, it never felt like we were completely losing our way or just sailing into darkness like it did in the past couple seasons. There always seemed to be some sort of structure around the way we played and especially around the way uh, Tuchel sets the team up. So I think that has a lot to do with what you're saying, you know, the ability to dig deep and go 16, 17. Anyway, we, we even went 20 something players into the <laughs> roster um, you know, just to get results. So, you know, props to Tuchel for that. Um, but I went with something a little different. I went with the fact that we have a new owner, um, a not controversial owner, um, an owner that isn't supposedly, I'm using my air quotes here for those of you that can't see, supposedly politically tied. Um, so the fact that, you know, we have that sort of I said that was pretty much the only dark cloud that Roman really brought to the club because everything else was just trophies and winning and Drogba and Lampard and Hazard and Conte and, you know, all the happy times. But, um, you know, the fact that we have gotten over this hump and, you know, the sale of the club went through. At one point, we thought that we could have possibly even went into administration, you know, if we weren't granted the right licensing. So, you know, we, we turned it around. It was an insanely uh ludicrous season or past 24 months for Chelsea fans. We went from winning the Champions League to losing our owner, potentially losing the club, not being able to sell tickets, losing sponsorship money, losing players because we can't sign them to extensions. The fact that that's all gone is a huge relief to me. So it, it just feels like a weight's off my shoulders and now we can sort of start to enjoy football again and see what this new ownership brings. So I'm optimistic about it. And uh, I consider that an improvement because, you know, Damn. we're on the up now, you know, we could not have gotten lower than we were last year as a club. <laughs> we literally almost went under. So we're good now. And that makes me very happy. <laughs> That's bold, Zach, because I think Roman Abramovich has been one of the greatest owners in sports and to say that our new owner is an improvement, it, I, don't know. I know. Again, I know what you're saying. 
Roman yeah. was a titan. I don't want to get that twisted in any way, shape, or form. No, you're just you're just saying that Bully the is, the, is the bomb. You're just saying Bully's the bomb, and he's gonna be yeah. even better. <laughs> and yeah, I, maybe I have or a little American Dodger anyway. bias. Who cares? And shout out to uh, I forget the name of the guy. Clearly, Capital, um, the vice president, the Iranian guy. Yeah. Let's see. What's his name? Uh, well, there's Jose Feliciano, and then the other guy, I I can't find it right now. But we now have an Iranian owner, guys, Persian owner, um, with no ties to shady State. governments. <laughs> He's American. He's American Iranian. So, uh, oh, Behdad Egbali, that's his name. So. Wow. Shout out! Shout out to us, the Iranian people of America. Um, you know they, they're the real in, winners. You know they're in they're in LA, like their firm is in Santa Monica. Like really? I yeah, I I really want to run into them one day and just be like, <laughs> hey guys, do you guys down to get on the pod sometime and talk Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if 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 the Chelsea really wanted to go for a non-controversial non-politically tied board they should have gone with a venezuelan person you know oh yeah of course yeah, <laughs> yeah totally venezuela is very worked. very low-key government no super issues stable. whatsoever yeah super stable yeah, fully democratic love it love it um yeah so my answer for the biggest improvement on this season compared to last i put na because i thought this there was nothing that we improved on this season compared to last, to be honest. Um, I thought we regressed and it has to do with all of the, you know, reasons that you guys listed. But to be honest, like, I mean, I guess I would say Mason Mount as a player was our biggest improvement. But other than him, maybe Reese James too also improved. But other than him, I think, as a whole, our team regressed from last season. I mean, How can we get getting... you to be more optimistic on the pod, Son? Do we need you to, like, maybe start drinking before? Some tequila? I am drunk right now, Zach. <laughs> I drank two large Smirnoff Ices before we recorded. So I am tipsy. And you know what they say. You're Got honest when you're you're honest when you're drunk. And I'm, I'm <laughs> being honest, drunk, Zach. I'm not, I'm not going to gas up this team that underperformed and just wasn't it, like you said this was a season to forget zach yeah. why would i why would i give credit to the team of a season to forget right there are places to give credit me and andres touched on those but it's okay it's a, to each his own to each his own there are other people that feel the same way you do so i i, I you know good i'm not alone in this world um just just go look at chelsea twitter the, the world is ending if you go yeah. there yeah i mean hey i'm excited for next year I don't know how this this transfer window is going to be tricky, um, but let, let, that's a good transition to our next our next segment. Um, so we're done with our season accolades and our awards, um, and we're going to move on to transfer rumors. Um, so obviously, so the first one we talked about this mention uh, we mentioned this earlier briefly. Um, Lukaku wants to return to Inter per uh, De Marzio. Um, a very uh, well-respected Italian reporter who is right 50% of the time, I think. 
Uh, <laughs> which so see the fifty percent chance of being correct on this one. Um, so a large loan fee has been discussed between the two clubs. Um, rumored to be a two-year loan in which Lukaku would take a huge pay cut. And it seems like that's the only way to get this deal done, um, is if he were to agree to take a pay cut. That just pisses me off, honestly. Like, imagine wanting to leave so bad, you're willing to take a pay cut. <laughs> that's annoying, Zach. Tells you everything you need to know. I, I think um, there was the possibility of, or at least this is like rumored, of course, um, that Chelsea was going to take over some of his um, some of his salary or wages, and Inter would take the the other portion. Um, but I also did hear that he was willing to take a pay cut if that meant that was the only way he can get his move. The the, the thing is for Chelsea, one we we're still we still don't have a clear answer as to whether we fully paid off his transfer fee or not. So if we didn't, that presents one issue. Um, the other issue is if we do loan him, we need a sizable fee. So that's a non-negotiable. So I, I don't think anything less than, you know, the rumored 20, 25 million, which is a number I've been seeing, um, would be feasible. I, I, at a least loan fee of 25 million? Right yeah. He's a hundred million pound player. A two-year loan. When does yeah, that happen? It, it when do you ever year, see yeah. that? It's happened before. Teams have paid fees. I don't think a team has paid not, $20 million. Yeah, Teams have paid tax fees yet. to just sort of send a player over. Um, but look, from Inter's per- perspective, Sam, this is a good deal because they're going to pay $20 million and they're going to be paying a portion of his wages and they're going to get his you know, his last two, three prime years out of him and then they'll have a decision to make at the end of it. So but, I don't know what the, the terms thing, like, of the Chelsea deal. doesn't want to send him there unless there's an obligation. Like, it, yeah. it, they, we don't want him back. I don't, I don't want him back either. I, I don't want this deal to go through unless there's an obligation. Oh, fuck it. Let's just... Oh, you want him for pennies? Take the fucking loss. Like, you do not want this guy being an absolute cancer in the locker room. He's already been a cancer. Like, period. Yeah. It started back in December, and it never got better. Yeah. Like, it didn't. We tried. Tried, like, thinking of, like, oh, little bits here and there of good Lukaku, but it's it's done, dude. Like, this guy... Has been texting like inter officers and big staff presidents since Christmas, like sucking them off, asking them for a return. Like, dude, no, like you're a fucking snake. Like, this, this is worse than the Courtois stuff. Like, this yeah. guy sucks. Worst transfer in, in Chelsea history. Period. Damn. Yeah, that's a Poppy Poppy Jillaboji is a fucking legend compared to this guy. <laughs> Poppy Jillaboji scored seven seconds into his debut. Let's not forget. Didn't did Lukaku he, score in his debut too? He got subbed on for a corner and scored. I thought he did. I thought he got subbed in and played seven seconds and didn't do anything. No, I'm pretty sure he scored. I gotta look this up because did if Lukaku I'm right, score in his, in his debut as well. Until Joby did anything. <laughs> but didn't Lukaku score in his debut as well? I mean, that was like yes against Arsenal. God damn, man! That moment. I thought I thought it's that just, was a, I thought that was a done deal. We, we we made the best transfer of all time. Ended up being the worst yeah, transfer. Yeah, I of agree, all time. man. It was we were sold. We were sold uh, dreams of nothing. 
And Dak, he never scored for Chelsea. Yeah, he never scored for Chelsea. <laughs> so I think he you played for the... seven seconds of Premier League time. That's it. Yeah. That's Why it. did at I least you got the seven scored? You got the seven seconds part right, at least. Yeah. Um. All right, let, let's go into the next transfer rumor. We're done talking about Lukaku. Hopefully, we're done with for him. a long time. So our, another inter rumor. RLC is a, uh, attracting interest from them as well. Um, the rumored fee is uh, 20 million euros, but um, they're seeking a loan with an option to buy. Um, I think that would be great business for us if we were able to get that. I think RLC probably won't see a lot of playing time for us next season. Getting him alone uh, in in a different league would be beneficial to him and if it works out you know they buy him if not he comes back i think that's a good move uh andreas what do you think uh i think the opposite i think he should stay because we have five subs every single week in in the season the full week the full season fa has approved five subs in the premier league that means that more players who you would think wouldn't get minutes will be getting them. And RLC actually got the most minutes for Chelsea ever last season. I think that he's a player that's already trusted by Tuchel. I think that he understands his position on this team. Also knowing that he would get the minutes if he performs. So at 26, after you've tried everything and anything to find stability, Going to a new league might not be it. I think he'd be great in Syria. Don't get me wrong. The Lazio rumors made perfect sense to me when those were coming out. But I don't see... Apparently, Inter has all these things that they need to do before the 30th of this month. Shout out Michael Conan for throwing that fact in our Discord. But to me, with the five subs and our, our midfield kind of being what needs the most rotation, I would keep ROC as of right now. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, with the five subs, I think RLC will, will most likely get game time every week. Um, you know, whether it's 10 or 15 minutes off the bench just for rotation or playing a cut match at midweek, it doesn't matter. The fact that we have those extra subs, he's going to get the time. And not only that, I think $20 million is it's pretty low uh, for a guy like I think RLC. it's a fair beat. I, yeah, I'll take look, that a second. I, I think we could get more. To be honest with you, maybe we can get five or ten million more from a sucker. I mean, why are we why are why are Probably we shopping real to literally the most stubborn team with their finances? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I I'd like to keep him. I think he's a great role player for the team, and he fits the profile for what Tuchel wants. He could play anywhere on the pitch, as we saw last season. So having a guy having a guy like that is important, and uh, and I think Tuchel knows that. I don't know if he's done enough to warrant a 35 million euro fee, but no, 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 not 35, 25 to 30, I think is fair. Maybe we could squeeze 25 out of somebody. 20 million just seems a little low because if you, what has he done? Has upside. He could, he still has the upside. That's the thing. So like he could still potentially be a 50, 60 million pound player if he has a good season or two. So 20 million just Uh, seems a little low for me. 26 years old, I guess. Past that. All right, the next rumor. This one's been been uh, talked about since during the season, mid-season. Um, Usmani Dembele. Speaking of busts, 
one of the biggest busts in Barcelona history, and that's saying a lot. Um, it what? seems like. What do you mean? You don't think Dembele was one of the biggest busts? Um, he led. He led the league in assists, and he played like twenty two season though. Bro, yeah, they, they spent like a ninety million pounds on this guy. More, more. It was like one hundred and twenty, one hundred fifty. I think Coutinho was a little worse than that. Okay, one of the biggest busts, because before this season he barely played, um, and Barcelona have given up on him. I mean, you say what you will, they they don't want to pay him anymore. Um, yeah. Apparently, Chelsea's board is hesitant, and rightfully so, given his injury history. Um, you know, leaving Barcelona on really bad terms. Um, you know, there might be something else uh, behind that. Tuchel does want him. Uh, they, they, he did play under him at Dortmund, right? They, they had over there. Yeah, he yeah. Yeah, broke out during Tuchel's time. And Todd Bowley's keen on making a splash. Dembele, you know, would be a free transfer. It, it, you know, if things work out, I think it's it is low risk high reward and i'm 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 in favor of it i mean how, does he how many is this contract that runs up this year or is it just Barcelona? yeah, yeah he's free yeah no, he's completely he's a free he's not a barca player anymore okay yeah and the wages that he was on were ridiculous and barca just knew that if they were going to re-up with him he was gonna i mean he was asking for ridiculous wages anyway so that's yeah, why I mean, they it, really didn't have an issue letting him go I, I, I like the deal. I'm like you guys. I think it's a free transfer. Let's let's take a punt on him. It's low risk. If it doesn't work out, we could always flip him and get a sizable transfer fee for a guy like him. He's still young enough to where we can market him to the top teams in Europe and top teams will still be interested. So why not? You know, there's a guy that already worked under Tuchel. So, you know, he'll bring pace again, delivery. He has the end product. He just completely fits what we're trying to do in the attacking sense, so I'm all for it. And, mind you, he's completely ambidextrous with both feet. <laughs> so he doesn't have a preferred foot. He could play with his right or his left. He's, he's just a phenom when it comes to just touching a soccer ball. He's one of those people that was just born to play. Andres, you want anything? Sign him up. He's free. Get it done. Get him in yeah. the camp. Why'd you say I unlike guess. you guys, we're, we were down. We're down to sign Dembele. Yeah. It's free. If right. he's free, and yeah, just get him in. If he's free, he should already be here. Exactly. So the the DeLitt rumors have sparked up again. Um, uh, Romano, um, he says Barcelona are priced out. Fabrizio Romano says Barcelona are priced out and that Chelsea continue to, quote, monitor the situation he does have a hundred and two million pound or euro release clause um so it would be a hefty hefty fee for for delit when there's a lot of other options out there for center back but we are desperate right now we have none <laughs> we have none andreas how do you feel about these rumors i mean there's he's also trying to negotiate a different contract to lower his release clause. So I don't know if it's one of these things. Like, I don't see, you don't see this often in, in sports, right? Like in football specifically, you see in basketball where you do those sign in trades, right? You give a player a new deal and then you trade him away with those new terms. But I don't think that's a common practice in football. I think Delig's time at Juve has not been what he wanted. I never understood that transfer to begin with. 
Um, if we get delicked, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, we're, we're fully committing to the back four because he's not been as great in the back three and he was a monster in IX's back four. So I don't think 102 million is the right price for a center back. Like, I don't think that's what you pay. I think that we have plenty of options that are cheaper. Kunde, Kulabali, Gavardio, and Cole Willis free. Like, center backs are everywhere. I don't think this is a position, you know, where you need to splash big. Or, or if you are, it has to be a guy that's been balling for like two, three seasons. So I'm not paying that kind of money. I like the Ligt. I hope that the number goes down, but I'm not paying 102. Yeah, I don't want to pay anywhere near six, six figures um, or nine figures or actually more than that. Is that 10 figures technically? Yeah. Um, no, it's not. It's nine <laughs> figures. I'm a fucking dumbass. Anyways, I don't want to pay 102 million. That's the fucking point. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it just, it's too much money. You know, Andres said, you know, splashing cash. We're already splashing cash on Kunde. I mean, that's a big signing in itself. And that's, a fraction of this transfer fee. So unless that price creeps under the 75 million mark, then I would be interested. But right now it's just, it's, it's too expensive. And granted the guy has a ton of upside, but a hundred million for a center back is very, very steep. And mind you, a center back that hasn't necessarily been in the greatest form. Right. And the other options at center back that have been brought up a lot, uh, the, this offseason, Kalidou Koulibaly, um, today he told Napoli that he wants a move. Um, Josko Gavardial from RB Leipzig, this has been a guy who we've been connected with a lot this offseason. And I think that either one of them would be great. I think Gavardial would be the better um, budget signing, you know, like the value that we'd get for how much we'd have to pay. Because Koulibaly is gonna is gonna demand a, a big transfer fee because that guy's a beast and that's what this would actually be less than Gavardial's. You think Koulibaly's Koulibaly's would be like in the thirty to forty million range. Forty to fifty, yeah. Yeah, how much would Gavardial's be? Closer to Kunde. To Seventy. Yeah. Oh shit! Really? Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Because he has, but, a, he has a pretty fresh out. deal. Like he just got out there. Yeah. yeah. That bums me out. I like Gavardial. I mean, if you want to hear our like full-on opinions about this, you should check out our transfer specials where we basically play uh, director of football of Chelsea. Andres and I did a special, and um, yeah, you guys should check those out. We go really in-depth about Koulibaly. We talk about Gavardial. We talk about Koundé. We talk about pretty much all these guys. So if you want to hear more in-depth analysis, just go check those episodes out. All right, let's move on to Twitter questions. This one, this first one is from at Ferxi, F-E-R-C-S-I-05. He first says, timer. First timer, yeah, I've never I've never seen that name before. Welcome. He says, what do you think about the Christopher Nkunku news? Is he going to be good for Tuchel's master plan or not so much? Um, I'm just going to quickly say I think I'm having a little bit of buyer's remorse just Bundesliga players in general. Like I think I just think that Bundesliga players, I know I just hyped up Gavardial, but at least offensive like like uh, you know attackers you just have to 
take their numbers with a grain of salt because it's a completely different league. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, true. it's a Bundesliga and Europa League, right? So he spent – he was scoring in Champions League before they got uh, eliminated. I think he scored a hat trick or close to a hat trick against City when they went into like a major shootout with them. I I like the profile. Like I get the virus remorse. I'm right there with you. It scares me. But Leipzig is known for scoring a lot, hence Timo Werner. But I see with Lukaku leaving and, and Timo also leaving, the fact that we're going to continue having a flo- fluid front three. And so to have a player like Nkunku who can do a central or a wide role, and no, he is not the same profile as Timo because he does get the ball to his feet and then create from there rather than just chasing and, and doing tap-ins or, or dribbling around the keeper, per se. So, I mean, Man City and Liverpool are the example right there, right? They have Mane, Jota, you know, players that can play in the middle, play on the outside, and, and have shown how to make that happen. And Kai is going to be the central figure. He can't play every single game up the middle. And Kunku played a little bit of center forward there. He's played right on the right side as well. I just think that profile's correct. So, like, to me, for the right price, I'd be okay with it, fully understanding the whole buyer's remorse thing. I, I think you get him and you slowly bring him into the fold, kind of like, I don't know, maybe like Diogo Jota did to take over for Robert Firmino, Roberto Firmino, you know, something like that. I, I would get him fully understanding that he's not going to be a day one player in the Prem. Yeah, ditto. I agree with that. He's the one guy in the in terms of the front three and upgrades. He's the one guy that I want to bring in because he just provides so many options and so many different ways of playing. But if you also see the goals he scores and the assists he creates, he he has something about him. There's there's a little bit of magic in those feet. So I'm all for it, man. This is a move that I want to happen. And again, if you want to hear more in depth, our director of football episodes. Andres and I both talk about Nkunku and why we want him. So check those out. Two plugs, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Nick of shit. Um, it's like when right. NBC decided to give us ad breaks during the freaking Premier <laughs> <Lake> match. <laughs> was that, yeah, that, that was a lot. No, wait, which which match was there that? Was Sixteen commercials in, during the last. I think match. it was the end of the season. It was like one of the two, the last oh, match, yeah. like the second to last second week of the last season. Match. Yeah. Freaking wild. That was crazy. Um, all right, this next question. This one's from Kendall Higa, at khiga 19 He says, where do you see Pulisic playing next season? Non-Chelsea answers only. <laughs> no, Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh-huh. Really? <laughs> Liverpool. It's an easy answer. Mane leaves. Liverpool. No. Oh, God. I do not want to sell anybody to Liverpool. Hey, the price is right, Zach. I hope I hope that if we do sell him, it's not anywhere in England. Juventus apparently is interested, but I don't. I just don't see Pulisic in Italy. Like I don't know. Pulisic and Chiesa doesn't seem. Just doesn't seem right. Like I get McKinney's there and he's having fun, but like I don't know. Bayern is apparently like they're gonna lose Gnabry and and Coleman is. I don't know what's going on there, but. Maybe Bayern. I, I think Pulisic has to go to a place with Champions League. So, mm-hmm. but on his opinion, tough. he probably stays. 
He probably stays. Uh, obviously, probably. he stays. I think he stays. I mean, he had a really positive things to say about Todd Bowley. But for this question, Liverpool. Liverpool is, is the place that it just feels like he just fits right in. All right. Um, this not another question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe. He says, if all of all the possible outgoing players, who are you going to miss the most or want to stay? I mean that it's that's a unanimous answer, right? I mean, yeah, Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> yeah, he, he he. I don't know if you guys saw his Instagram post. Did you guys see that? Yeah, he was salty. Yes, he wasn't Plus salty. Drinkwater. No, yeah, no, he, no, no. he took ownership. Yeah, he wasn't salty I didn't think at he all. Took ownership. I thought he. I, it came I off think as he salty. Was very real. Yeah, he was honest. He spoke. He spoke the truth. He said. This was a deal that did not work for either sides, which, you know, it, it, it was unfortunate. Agreed. You know, he enjoyed his time, he said, but, you know, he like he, he was honest and he said he got to enjoy his time off. <laughs> and, you know, like that's good go for him. Yeah, but. He had a blast. You know, he said it's, it, it didn't work for either side and he was honest. I, I loved it. But all, the him obvious answer are now. Nice. Him and Ross Barkley are now the nightclub connoisseurs of London. Dude, why are you disrespecting Ross Barkley like that? That's not cool. He's gonna have a big uh, role next season. Watch, but the, the obvious this, answer apart, apart from Rudiger, who oh. would you guys miss? Well, if Dave is gone, then Dave. Yeah, that's a good one. I was gonna say I was gonna say Marcus Alonso. I'm gonna piss a lot of people off, but oh, guys, yeah. he scored so many important goals for us. So That's many big performances. Answer. He was great in Madrid this year. Let's not forget. I thought he was good in the in the FA Cup final. But that's just a guy that's kind of like been with us. And we sort of dragged him through the mud. And he's been abused so much here. And uh, I don't know. His, his professionalism and the goals he scored and how good looking he is. It's going to be hard yeah, to we're gonna uh, miss him a lot for place sure. how good looking a backup left back can be. But. No, he he. Look, he was an important player, though. You know, in right. the grand scheme of things, he won a league title with us and a Champions League, and a Europa I'm League. So I'm yeah, with you. I'm uh I'm gonna go a different route. I would be really bummed out if uh, either. Actually, I'll stick more with the Billy Gilmore route. That's a player that really excited me under Lampard, and the Norwich Norwich uh, loan wasn't the best, but him. And, and perhaps Ampadu, if either of those players just like outright get sold, I'd be a little bummed out. I think that both showed what they could bring to the team, even if they're not outright starters right away. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm still all in on Billy Gilmore ending up as a great talent. So he'd be a player that if, if he doesn't get to stick around and, and forces a move, I'd be pretty bummed out about. All right, now we'll close it off with uh, this. isn't a question, but it's a it's a very nice in in memorandum for um, for Roman Abramovich. This one comes from Leonard R. Cohen. <clears throat> I have to clear my voice to do my Leonard Cohen uh, <laughs> voice. Dear Pod, I will miss Roman. It won't be the same without him. And I've been at, I've been Chelsea since 1976. What Chelsea is now, Roman created. He built the winning mentality and marginalized the racists. 
When I was growing up, Chelsea was known as an NF club, and now he is persona non grata. Roman built this house. I will remember him. What is what does NF mean? Not frat. That's what it means. In, that's what it means in America. NF means not frat. Uh, that means you're not on a frat. You're I think G. the sentiment that Leonard was putting out there is totally acceptable, and I think we all share it too. Um, he is going to go down as one of the greatest sports owners ever. I think he does just based on numbers and trophies and success in such a short time. So for that, we thank our former podcast namesake. Um, and with that, you should follow our new podcast Twitter handle. Um, you like that. Nice. You like those transitions at Blues on Parade Pod. Um, make sure you guys are following us. Check us out. We post an episode. Um after every match day during the season over the summer of course we don't record as often but we do put out a lot of specials so make sure you're looking out for that um andres has secured a very special guest upcoming for us as well so i'll sort of pass it off to you andres do you want to hype up our listeners for uh what's to come well if the computer allows us and and is helpful we do have a, a guest um who did a dof pod like zach and i did and hopefully, once I confirm a date and time, we might have Yannick from at football, well, not at football therapy. He's more on YouTube football therapy channel. He's known for doing match reviews and your daily news updates. He actually was on our show a few years ago. So he has agreed to do a season recap with us as well. Give us his take on some of the answers that we, or some of the questions that we answered today. So that should be coming out shortly. Super Very exciting. Hey guys, by the way, I, I looked up some at what acronyms, what NF could possibly stand for. Oh gosh. Let me know what you guys think. Okay. Um, oh, Niagara wait. Falls, no. Nonfiction, no. Not finished. Nut free, is that you think he meant nut free? Is that a possibility? Not funny. Mm-hmm. That's something that I am, but. I don't know. Nuestra Familia. <laughs> the prison gang, apparently. Neuro uh, Neurofibromatosis Foundation. Leonard, if you're listening, please tell me let which us one know it what is. NF means. Yeah. I really have no idea. Nuclear furnace, I think that's what it is. Uh, well with that, I think that's a good place to end it before it gets any more ridiculous. Um boys, it's been a pleasure as always. For those of you that are still listening, again, make sure you're following us on Twitter and make sure you're also looking out for our new episodes that are going to come out in the next couple weeks here. So until next pod, keep the blue flag flying high.